Hey everyone, this is Violet, and you're listening to the Millennials Bible Podcast. Episode 1, Can I Have Your Netflix Login? everyone. I hope you guys are doing well. Today is Friday the 13th and this is my very first podcast. So I hope you guys stick around and listen and enjoy. And I'm always going to be looking for um, tips and advice from the audience and any kind of stuff that you guys might want to hear about millennial life that is not already on our agenda. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, you guys, so today's episode, the very first episode of this Millennials Bible podcast is called, Can I Have Your Netflix Login? And I just wanted to start off this podcast with something that's super relatable that really everyone who is a millennial can um, sit there and think, oh yeah, Netflix, like I know exactly what that is. And It's just such an evolving time right now as far as media and TV, and I think that it's definitely something our generation um, rallies behind, and it's something that we've seen change a lot, and I thought it would be a great first topic for this podcast. Now, I'm going to back up a couple of notches, and I guess start with what is this podcast and what will you be hearing um, if you stick around. And really, this is just a fun way for millennials to reminisce or just to kind of, I don't know, not be ashamed of who we are as millennials. I feel like in the media um, and just in general with, uh, you know, bosses and parents, anyone who's in in an older generation, they may not understand. And millennials definitely get like a hard kick in the ass sometimes. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, You don't know how to hold on a job. You don't know how to be in a functional relationship. A lot of blame. And maybe it's time to have some lighthearted conversation around it all and kind of laugh at ourselves and maybe even relate to each other and realize we're not alone in the crazy shit we do. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of topics. Um, This all really started when I thought, hey, maybe I could write a book and it would be like a sarcastic book called The Millennial's Bible. And I would say, oh, it's by Courtney or some other sorority bitch sounding name. Um, (laughs) But I, I mean, like writing it out, sarcasm is great, but I think that voice is a lot better. And I'm just started listening to podcasts and really thought it was an awesome way to Um, speak with people and get involved and have interviews and stuff, which makes it not just about me, but about the people that come on the show and want to share their own experiences with Netflix or whatever the hell it is we're talking about. Um, But yeah, so like some of the different chapters, maybe talking about like weed or um, dating apps and like Tinder and how not to get raped. Um, probably about, you know, jobs and working and what kind of millennials are doing right now as far as careers. Um, all the, like, race and politics stuff, too. Like, how not to be an asshole and how to, like, consider other people's opinions and not think that you know everything. Because as a millennial, something that I am constantly guilty of is thinking I know what the fuck is going on and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And that's just such a limiting way to go about life. Um, especially because a lot of people do have some other viewpoint or opinion we should listen to, whether we like it or not. And 
yeah, it's just part of living in a community with people. So today, talking about Netflix, um, really, like, if I was in a room of people right now, I'd be like, how many of you have watched Netflix or heard of Netflix? And I'm assuming everyone's hands would go up, because even my parents have heard about Netflix now. Uh, And yeah, I just think the transition from cable programming with commercials and um, like schedules and week by week releases is a completely different model from how we interact with TV now through Netflix, which really pioneered it. Hulu's fine. I mean, their interface is absolute crap right now. I don't know who is doing it, but they need to get their shit together because I stopped watching Hulu literally because the interface annoys me so much. But Netflix is fine. Um, If they would stop raising their prices, that would be awesome. But it is another way to receive entertainment. It's becoming more and more popular. Even people in older generations are getting into Netflix, not just their um, original productions, but also the whole binging method. Like, my parents are not bingers. They are there to watch it at 8 o'clock every Thursday, but they're not someone to spend hours on the couch watching TV, which, um, unfortunately, we kind of grew up in that mentality. So it's really hard. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm very addicted to TV. Uh, I find myself using TV as just like background noise. So I'm not standing alone and sometimes picking out music and like playlists. It's like, okay, I want to skip this one. I left my phone in the other room. It sounds super lazy, but it's like honestly true. Sometimes I just don't want to have to pick out what's next song, what's the playlist, don't want to listen to just one album, I'm too picky. So I'll turn on The Office is usually my go-to. I have to say I've probably watched it through like, I don't know, 20 times or more at this point. It's pretty sad, but like, you know, a comfort show, just something where you know the characters and it feels like, you know, they're in the room with you at this point. You know what's going to happen. It feels familiar. So it's not like I'm turning on new shows and like watching them while I do everything in my life. But I think having the voices and having like the sound on that's familiar has always been helpful to me. And I know a lot of people that have the same sentiment, like watching Netflix in the corner of their uh, computers while they're at work, like with headphones in. Like it happens. It's just kind of weird how... I guess that it's a little weird how we don't embrace it, and maybe it's weird how we do embrace it, because I am no health expert, but I'm sure it's not good for you to have an excuse to sit in front of a TV, like, all Saturday and, like, watch a show that you've never seen before and just binge watch it, but at the same time, um, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like it's almost like music now, it's a little bit more like you can have TV running and not actually be paying attention to it. And while people say, oh, you're like not listening, like what's the point of having it on? I don't know. I just, I like it. I enjoy it. I mean, and that's what art is really is something to express comedy or drama or fear or emotions and then like an audience to observe it. So let me observe it however the fuck I want to. Okay. So (laughs) yeah. Um, And then in film, I I live in LA right now, and my boyfriend works for the E! Network and their international department at NBC. Um, So I think there's, we we always kind of talk about how some shows, like, were written to be a week-by-week show. They were written to have that suspense. Like, Grey's Anatomy is an awesome example. It's very dramatic. It's, like, almost borderline soap opera. It probably is soap opera. But... It's so jam-packed of drama that when you do try to binge it on, like, Netflix or something, 
you are just like overcome with like constant emotions of sadness, anger, like all everything that's going on, the bombings, the shootings, the, you know, drownings, whatever happens in Grey's Anatomy. It's like all squeezed into a lot shorter time period than if you were watching it one week, uh, one episode each week. Um, and then there's shows where there really is not a drain if you're watching it constantly and the the theme of the show and the content really isn't lost when you're binging it. And I'd say that's more of the lighter shows, the comedy shows for sure, because it's almost like when you're watching them repetitively, the the humor like lines up and you're able to see the consistencies between the writers and kind of like pick up on reoccurring themes, which is really fun. Um, a great example of this is Archer. For sure, there's so many common themes of like, like, do you want ants? Like, this is how we get ants and phrasing and yeah, all of that stuff is a common theme and it's even funnier when you're able to see it so clearly. Um, but yeah, it, I feel like it's evolving and there's a lot to be said about the future of TV and streaming, especially um, with Netflix coming out with their own productions. I think it's kind of creepy that they're able to get so much data on our um, on our watching methods. I think that is crucial to how they're running their production right now. I think they're also kind of throwing a ton of projects up in the air, and I don't think all of them stick. I don't like The Ranch. I think it's pretty stupid. Sorry, Ashton Kutcher. Um, yeah, it's just not good. I don't like a few of them. I don't like The Horseman, BoJack Horseman as much. Um, I don't know. They're just, they don't all stick. But then, of course, there's the knockouts. There's Stranger Things, um, which I think could totally be said, hey, it applies that nostalgia factor that a lot of Netflix users um, were into because Netflix was able to bring in like old shows that haven't been on the air in a while. So noticing that there's a popularity and viewership of that and like the nostalgia of like a different time and the 80s happened to be a time that they pinpointed for Stranger Things and then they also see like a little bit of the like thriller fear factor and having some kind of like hook and some suspense and um, a little bit of the supernatural and on Netflix like you can tell like Doctor Who is on Netflix and I had been like somewhat interested in Doctor Who and like got to watch a lot of it on Netflix and definitely was more into it and that leads to like other sci-fi movies and other sci-fi trends so I can see how they'd be like yeah we gotta throw something like wacky about the universe in something about some cute kids something about the 80s nostalgia and boom we got a hit show and they looked out and it's awesome and I love it um but yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of wondering now that we are moving into this streaming type of watching and now that the audience uh, methods are changing, what could be said about changing up the way we do plots and the way that we do um, storytelling as far as TV? So maybe if viewers are watching this at a faster pace, you can have more overarching timelines and maybe put more um, like hidden things in. I... I'm a, such a fan of foreshadowing in TV shows and movies, um, and it's easier to tell when there's like a book version and a TV version because then the writers and um, like director of the TV show or the movie know like, hey, we know this is like the background of it, so let's like throw some hints into this one plot line, and then it may turn out to be something, or maybe they're just trying to compensate for the fact that they couldn't include that plot line, but um, those little notes of foreshadowing are super important, and I think they really set shows apart, and when you're able 
able as like a viewer to see something more than just the surface level plot line. I think that's really awesome. And when you're watching something in like a binging method, you are seeing so much at one time that you are like kind of critical and you're like looking for something to surprise you or like a little bit different. Um, and, you know, maybe instead of like doing that, they go in the opposite direction, like Black Mirror, which is super popular, where each episode is something totally different, not related to the others. So instead of it being a series, instead of it being reoccurring characters, you have like an overall theme or an overall like genre and then it's a whole bunch of little stories so um you know like a collection of poems or a collection of short stories so that's kind of been my thoughts on the streaming culture and like netflix and everything um i am definitely curious to see if anyone else has felt this way or if people who actually have studied like film and tv in a more um like academic manner they probably have talked about this in school at this point and have started exploring like what could be the new way of storytelling through film and tv uh with a new uh way that viewers are watching because ultimately i mean you could make like 26 hour movies uh that's like how people are watching these shows it's it's 26 episodes hour each you watch like a whole season in a day now what if that whole season instead of it being like a whole bunch of twists and turns each and every week what if it was like a giant movie i'm talking those like five dvd long pride and prejudices like that or i mean in my dream world it would be like a harry potter that's like 24 hours long but who knows i mean that's just kind of like we're living in this world of technology where media is so easily created and shared um, from the amateur level up to the professional level that it's uh, pretty crazy. And like on social media, like Vine, I think, was an awesome thing to see what kind of narratives could be done in like whatever the seven seconds it is that you could um, create a little clip. I think that's pretty cool to see the creativity that went along with that. And then what if we went in the opposite direction of a 24-hour clip? What could you do in that span? And when you have that huge of a canvas, like what do you turn it into? And how do you make it different? How is it innovative? How is it different from TV that we've had in the past? And how will it change things? How will it change our like TV watching experience? Um, I don't know about you guys, but my family grew up with TV. Um, we we had a great, like, you know, every night we'd have dinner together. My mom usually cooked. I usually helped cook. So it was pretty cute, pretty quaint up in Texas. Uh, and I think one of the other common things is we always had the TV on. I love my parents for that because I love TV and I don't see any shame in it. So you shouldn't either if you're like me out there. But yeah, we'd have TV on. My parents love watching their shows and I love watching them too. So it was like a great communal thing for us to sit around and like watch this one show or like my mom and I started watching Grey's Anatomy when it first came out like the first season. That's why I bring it up because I'm still hooked. It, it's definitely something that's grown with me over these past like whatever 20, 25 years they've been coming out it seems like. But it's really true. Like the the characters that are there that and the stories that are told it brings me back to Thursday nights on the couch with my mom after dinner watching Grey's Anatomy I was like a little too young for all the raunchy scenes and it was like kind of awkward but it was so much fun to watch and I could also talk to it about my friends and it was yeah it was awesome 
So if you're going to have more streaming stuff, um, I'm curious as a millennial, I don't have any kids. I don't have like a family that I sit around and eat dinner with at night, but I'm curious if streaming changes that like, or maybe people just don't watch TV while they eat anymore. Maybe that's just like considered way too unhealthy, especially in LA. But like with streaming, do you sit down and like turn on Parks and Rec and watch TV while you eat dinner? Do you just have it on? Does no one watch TV anymore? Are you turning on a podcast now? Like what is the new hearth that everyone centers around? Because I always felt like in my family, it was the TV as opposed to the fireplace, which I mean, I think there's something to be said about that because TVs do give off a fair amount of heat if you're standing close to them and they're HD and fancy schmancy and Whatever, LED, I don't know, something sciencey, techie, probably not even science. I'm sorry I insulted everyone who's into science just now. Personally, I'm not, but, you know, you'll learn that in every single other episode. I'll probably repeat that. But anyways, going back to what I was saying, the hearth of the family, that is a common term, um, especially for um, studying, like, cultures and in the study of, like, anthropology. It is... So, wow, that just sounded dumb. I know ology is like the study of something. I just said the study of the study of anthropology. Yeah. Anyways, I caught my mistake. I'm probably not going to edit this out of the podcast, so I'm going to keep it in there. But yeah, so this in anthropology, looking at the hearth of the family, it's usually like the fireplace, you know, and I think it's like quite different. Now we all have like central air and like heating and We don't gather around the fireplace as much anymore. At least in Texas, we like kind of did whenever it was like cold, there was ice on the ground. But it wasn't like a normal thing where everyone like hung out around the fireplace to talk. It was like everyone hung hung out around the fireplace because it's close to the TV and that's where everyone hangs out to talk. So um, as streaming like becomes a different part of our lives and as we're viewing it differently, yeah, I just think it's a awesome question and it's something to see over the next few decades of how does this change the way we view TV? How does this change um, interaction? How does this change our discussion of TV? I think part of the greatness of having the week to week, um, like we've seen this with Game of Thrones, shows that are still doing that that are very popular amongst millennials, is that you have the whole week to like talk about what's going to happen next and you have the whole week to like anticipate it and it does add that extra little like flavor of sweetness to when you do see the next episode that you've waited a little bit and that you've like had time to consider what in the world could happen next like oh I hope this happens I hope this person doesn't die and then you like sit there and you're like I'm so excited Sunday night 8 p.m. I'm gonna be in front of the TV I'm gonna finally figure it out and then you have some sort of like closure or more anticipation or like letdown or whatever so there was always this like communal getting together over the internet, talking to your friends, talking to your family, figuring out what's happening. Now with streaming, I think it's a little bit different because some people haven't seen the whole series and you want to come in and talk about it and you want to like go over it, but not everyone's on the same episode and not everyone um, like maybe has finished the series. They haven't seen the end of it. So it's just a, like a little bit different, um, but it's different enough that I think it makes... Uh, the viewing change and I think it also will change even further as streaming becomes more popular for sure and then 
um, like these networks are trying to make their apps better. I think someone needs to fucking have like a come to Jesus meeting with CBS because no one is going to pay fucking $10 a month for CBS content only. I don't know who the hell they think they are, but like what even? Like no one likes NCIS that much. I don't even know if NCIS is on CBS, but CBS, I literally can't even name one of your shows off the top of my head. That is how much I do not care about buying your membership to your streaming video thing. I would rather not watch your shows. So they need to figure out what's going on. And like same thing with the movies and same thing with um, those different studios um, allowing their shows or allowing their movies and their productions to be on streaming sites. I understand it's like a ton of contracts and legal battle, but... Um, at some point, I think this is all going to have to merge a little bit. Um, I think the viewers are, you know, we're, we're just spending a ton of money. We're spending money on cable. Well, most millennials aren't. We're probably using our parents' login like I do for any kind of cable shows. But, um, you know, we're paying for a Netflix login. If your parents don't have HBO on their cable, you're paying for the HBO Now login so you can watch Game of Thrones or you can watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then you, like, have your friend who's paying $9 for Hulu so you, like, use their Hulu account. And in my house where I live, um, I live with my boyfriend and then three other guys. Um, It's a great little frat house situation we have going on and I am the mother hen, always cleaning. Um, They clean fair amount, so I gotta give them credit for that. But... Um, we all like have our own logins and just kind of share it for the sake of there's five of us. So why should we all five have logins to the same services and why don't we just share it? So like one of my roommates has the direct TV, like football access login. So we watch like football on the weekends. Um, and then I have the Netflix login with the fancy like 4K stuff for our TV. So like I pay for that. And then there's like Daniel has the Hulu login. And so we all like piggyback off each other. So I think the question is when you come to logistics and this type of service, uh, how does this keep going? <laughs> um, are you going to just let us all piggyback off of each other? Are the cable companies going to get mad and start making like streaming taxes happen? Is that going to bring everyone's rates up to like $20 a month eventually? And it's like at that point, then you should just pay for cable because it's cheaper. But now we're all freaking addicted to streaming and to binge watching shows. We would never ever give up Netflix. We would rather cut off our left hand first. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, coming from... Um, my background, I studied public policy in graduate school, and, like, I think that's, it's just gonna be super interesting to see how these streaming services, like Netflix and Hulu, interact with the cable services, interacting with the um, production studios, interacting with the consumer, and also with government entities who want taxes on things, and see, hey, why are we making cable companies pay all these taxes? Or cable companies will probably be like, why the fuck are we getting taxed so much when, like, half the population, however many years down the road, when half the population are streaming their stuff why shouldn't Netflix and Hulu be taxed just like we're taxed so um yeah it's just like super interesting to see and maybe it depends on how much money millennials make and that you know factors into how much Netflix will charge us eventually but either way uh yeah it's just like a super interesting conversation and I hope you guys think so too but we'll go ahead and wrap it up here
So now that you've heard my ramblings, I guess it's time to do a little bit of an outro debrief. Um, I didn't quite stick to a structured outline or anything. It was a lot of just my general thoughts on streaming and whatnot. So the first kind of takeaway is you should totally go home and watch some TV if you aren't already. Um, binge something new, binge something you've always loved but haven't seen in a while. I mean, binge whatever the hell you want, but get it out of your system. I think fall is the best time to curl up in front of the TV on a Friday night or like a Saturday or Sunday and get all that out of your system and relax after you've had a hectic week. Um, yeah, so go home and do that. And then secondly, I am totally wanting some feedback on this. Um, my whole viewpoint on these millennial topics are based on my friend groups and based on my own experiences. So I am just like dying to hear from millennials in general about how they have viewed streaming platforms, um, especially anyone who is directly involved in like the streaming process or in film and TV. If there's anything I left out, I mean, I didn't touch on like augmented reality or virtual reality, but if those are supposed to be some new horizons for um, entertainment, I'd love to hear it too. That's really cool. Um, And then there'll be a whole social media thing, so I didn't want to cross into that too much. But of course, for millennials, obviously, we're going to talk about social media because we started the damn thing. Um, But yeah, this has been great. I am looking forward to the next episode, and it is most definitely going to be about weed because as millennials, we're seeing this crazy shift in um, legalization of marijuana, and I've lived in states that are completely opposed to it, and I've lived in states like I do now in California where it's becoming recreational in 2018, so there's a lot to be said, and if you are interested or, you know, somewhat at all interested (laughs) definitely tune in next time and i hope you've enjoyed the millennials bible we'll see you for episode two